Now, we are now at midpoint in Deuteronomy with chapter 18. Can you believe it? Yeah, but unfortunately, there's 34 chapters. So, <laughs> so we are now in chapter 18. Yes, we got 16 more to go. All right, but it's been fun. Seriously, it's been fun for Pastor Fritz and I. We have, this is very humbling, right, Pastor Fritz? Like, we just go, wow, we've never read this far in Deuteronomy. <laughs> like, usually, like, for a normal Bible study type of person who is born and raised in a Christian home, we just stop at five. <laughs> Deuteronomy five. Never past that, and we are now beyond our comfort level. All right, so I hope that you are enjoying our struggle. And like enjoying our uh, tumultuous struggle as well. And so let's, uh, before we begin, let's start off with a video. Because um, now I know this is an old movie, but it has some uh, historical facts, blemished with a lot of non accurate historical facts. But I'll just, let's just show this video. Now that's a bit of a problem. See, rumor has it the Athenians have already turned you down. And if those philosophers and uh, boy lovers have found that kind of nerve, then... We must be diplomatic. And of course, Spartans have the reputation to consider. Choose your next words carefully, Leonidas. They may be your last as king. or grief. No man threatens a messenger. You bring the crowns and heads of conquered kings to my city steps. You insult my queen. You threaten my people with slavery and death. Oh, I've chosen my words carefully, Persian. Perhaps you should have done the same. This is blasphemy. This is madness. So dramatic, yet uh, we find it now we find it really corny. But back then, it actually was pretty good. The reason why I showed this video is uh, it's what the messenger said. Okay, uh, remember he goes, "No one threatens the messenger," right? That's what he said, right? Um, the creepy guy. <laughs> okay, no one threatens the messenger. This is blasphemy. This is a. Why did he say all that? It's because back then, like, sure there were many historical inaccuracies in in, in this movie. But there were some good ones. There are some gems. Like, okay, like just off to the tangent, off topic. Remember, uh, Leonidas actually said, oh, those philosophers, those Athenians, those 
boy lovers, right? Now, uh, if you think about it, remember uh, in 1 Corinthians and in Romans where we were talking about um, homosexuality, you know, the, the practice of homosexuality? Actually, that's what they meant. It's when the Athenians were practicing cultic practices of putting boys into prostitution. That's what uh, Paul was actually talking against, all right? Back to this point. If you want more questions, feel free to give me a call. We'll, have, <laughs> we'll talk it over here. Okay, so, but however, there's another fact in the, in the messenger. It's that uh, when the messenger said, this is blasphemous, which means that you are actually going against the king. You are actually saying that uh, you're devaluing the king if you're devaluing me. You're showing when you show hostility to me, you're show showing hostility to the king. Even though the king is not there, per se, right, the messenger represents the king. And, if, and back then, uh, in that time, including in Moses' time when, the Deuteron when Deuteronomy is referring to, back then, uh, the messengers were equivalent, kind of equivalent to the king. They were representatives. And if you uh, deny the hospitality, you, deny, uh, you show them with hostility, you are actually treating that messenger the same way as you would be treating the king. You follow? So it's very important to know that for messengers, back then, messengers are representations of kings. Actually, to even go even further, if the, back then the kings were actually, if you've ever seen this movie all the way through, the king Xerxes, what did he call himself? A god. He was God. So back then, even messengers, because kings view themselves as gods, the messenger is a representation of God. Their God. All right? So the messenger is not just a messenger of a king. He's also a messenger of a divine, of a god. And this is where we're going to go into this morning. Who is our messengers today that represent our god, the god? God, uh, Yahweh, who is our messenger today? Who, or even better, who are the messengers today? And this is where I want to draw out from when we go into chapter 18, because chapter 18 talks a lot about messengers. And where did I get that from? Well, let's go into this. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to chapter 18 of Deuteronomy. Chapter 18. Now, in, to begin with, Moses is sort of like the messenger, right? Moses uh, is appointed by God to deliver his words to the Israelites. If you remember in Exodus, one of the biggest examples was on the mountain, <laughs> right? Where uh, Moses gets the Ten Commandments, breaks them, then goes back up, comes back down. But then he was shining, he was glowing, right? Because uh, God has appointed him to be his messenger. Moses delivered God's word to his people. And we also know that just like the messenger here, right? We also know that if you go against Moses, you are going against God, right? We've seen that with his sister and his brother who got inflicted with leprosy when they went against them. We see that with the two tribes who went against them and the earth opened up and then they all fell in, right? We, we've seen this, like anyone who went against Moses goes against God. Right? We also see this in foreign tribes. Remember uh, in Deuteronomy when they did some examples, or picked in some examples, like with all those parasites, <laughs> those Hittites, those Canaanites, those, you know. Um, if any foreign nation goes against Moses' message, Moses says, let us pass through in peace and no harm will get to you. When some nations go, yeah, yeah, you can, we understand, you have a God that could whoop ass, right? But then you all, but then well, how about the, the other guy, foreign nations, like the Canaanites, the Hittites, and all that parasites? <laughs> 
they, they rejected the messenger. What happened to them? God annihilated them. So if you think about it, Moses is God's messenger. Reject Moses, you're rejecting God. So here, as in Deuteronomy 18, we see that Moses is on the tail end of retirement. He's coming towards retirement. Like the people of God are now at the, at the doorstep of the promised land, and there needs to be new messengers in place because Moses is almost done. He's nearing his retirement, and he's going to be done. He's going to be walking on the other side of the mountain, head over to the Red Sea Resort, and just get exfoliated in, over in the Dead Sea you know, salt bath. So who is going to be this messenger? Who are these two messengers? And this is where we're going into. And similar to my approach on the previous chapters, we're going to look at common themes. And uh, personally, for me, as I was uh, preparing this, the two common themes that stick out for me are these. The name of the Lord, or the Lord's name, and the theme of being, setting up, being set apart for God's purpose. And so, let's begin with verses 1 to 8. Oops. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 1 to 8. If you're, if you're there, follow with me. The Levitical priests, indeed, the whole tribe of Levi, are to have no allotment or inheritance with Israel. They shall live on the food offerings presented to the Lord, for that is their inheritance. They shall have no inheritance among their fellow Israelites. The Lord is their inheritance, as he promised them. This is the share due, for, due the priests from the people who sacrifice a bull or a sheep, the shoulder, the internal organs, and the meat from the head. You are to give them the first fruits of your grain, new wine, and olive oil, and the first wool from the shearing of your sheep. Here, here we go. So if you can, start highlighting. Start highlighting now. For the Lord your God has chosen them and their descendants out of all your tribes to stand and minister in the Lord's name. You follow that? The Lord chose them out, set apart, to stand and minister in the Lord's name. If a Levite moves from one of your towns anywhere in Israel where he is living and comes in all earnestness to the place the Lord will choose, he may minister in the name of the Lord, his God, like all his fellow Levites who serve there in the presence of the Lord. He is to share equally in their benefits, even though he has received money from the sale of family possessions. So the first part of chapter 18 goes like this. Through Moses tells the Israelites that the Levites have been set apart by God to minister in his name. What does it mean to minister in God's name? Well, if you know about Levites, Levites are like Carmen, just up here. They were worship leaders. They were worship leaders. They were uh, people who prepare the space for worship. They were people who would do the sacraments. Uh, well, that's a word that's recent. They would prepare, like they would, in, let's do it contemporized. They would uh, uh, conduct communion. They would do the weddings. They would do the uh, uh, song leading. They would write songs. They would conduct the prayers. They would do the, all the traditions in the, in the liturgies that the church does to prepare you to come into the presence of God. That's a, that's a role of a messenger, to connect you with God, to give you that space, to give you that connection and prepare you to be uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, to create the, uh, what my friend Josh Coe would say, to give you the ability to have the imagination to have communion with God. I still don't get that because <laughs> I'm just not imaginative. So anyway, that's the way, that's Levites, okay? And so God, through Moses, says Levites are the chosen ones. 
They are to be set apart. And our worship leaders have that calling. They were set apart from amongst us, called to lead us in worship, called to bring his people to his presence, ushering them into the presence. Agree? Right? So that, those are Levites. Levites are, are also like deacons and elders who conduct communion, who do prayers and lead the, the people because they are, their job is to actually just bring them close to God. So that's part one of a messenger. That's Levites. They also prayed on behalf of people. Uh, like uh, they, one of the elders' jobs, uh, in, typically, is to pray on behalf of, his, uh, of God's people. And so we bring our petitions to elders, to our worship leaders, to pray so that uh, as we lead worship, we pray for everyone. So that's the first part. Now, where else have we seen this in this chapter of a similar type of theme? Because uh, I forgot to mention in the beginning, this is kind of like a uh, ABA format. And if you are musically inclined and you hate analysis, <laughs> this is the part where it goes, this is part A, and there's another A at the other side. And where is that other part? Well, it's actually in verse 15 to 22. So let's go into that quickly. 15 to 22. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. Again, if you want to highlight that, that verse, again, God through Moses says, raise up, chosen, set apart from your people, prophets like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you ask of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see his great fire anymore, or we will die. The Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who seeks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take a place or come true, that is the message the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. So there you go again. There's raising up. God, through Moses, chooses to set apart a group of people certain type of people to be prophets, and has to, be spoke, has to speak in the name of the Lord, just like the Levites. Let's hone in a little bit more. If you can, just focus on verse 17 to 19, because that sums up the themes that I mentioned earlier. First, the Lord said to me, what they say is good, I will raise up them a prophet like you from among their Israelites. Again, raising up, put words in their mouth in God's name. So God, through Moses, tells the Israelites that he is giving another messenger. First, Levites. Okay? Now, we have different messengers. Prophets. Okay. But what do prophets do? Well, it seems like... I have to give a, 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 an example here. Levites. They are what we just said. They are like the worship leaders, the elders and the deacons. And they mainly reside in church, the synagogues, the church. Prophets, historically, and when we look at them, uh, if you ever read them about them in the Bible, they're usually everywhere, right? They're traveling everywhere. They, they, they really get in your face <laughs> during your seven, six days of work, 
You know, like they're, they're there, right? Like it's almost like they're like a little bugger. You know, it's like, ah, right? You're, you're screwed, you're, 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 like, I warned you. You're, like, you're going off kilter, you're, you're going astray, right? Why, why do we need prophets? You know, like these people who are just so annoying, right? Like if I was an Israelite, I would just say, man, they are so annoying. They are like this nagging mother who just keeps on repeating themselves. Let's just saw them in half. You know, like, and that's what they did with Isaiah, right? They you know, just saw them in half, get rid of them. Why do we need prophets? Well, I don't know about you, but I've been born and raised in a Christian home. I go to a church often. I go to Bible studies a lot. Uh, you know, I attend, I don't know how many Bibles I've attended in my lifetime now, or even led. And I must say, there's this term that I just uh, came across because I needed to look it up. I didn't know what, it, what the scientific term is or the medical term it is, or just a nice term uh, to describe my type of behavior. Uh, to Bible studies. And so I found it. It's called semantic satiation. Does anyone know what that means? Semantic satiation? It means that if you hear the phrase too many times, you start to ignore it. Sort of like my mother-in-law. You know, like she keeps on saying something to me and then suddenly I tune out because it just happens too many times. Yeah, I know. I get the glare from Roseanne all the time. She shakes her head, I roll my eyes, then we have a huge conversation in the car. <laughs> All right, now, so it's like, so this semantic satiation. What do I mean by that? Have you ever realized that during our Bible studies or ever when you're reading your Bible, we come across these stories and we come across these commands, especially the Ten Commandments. We're, we become like a little rich young ruler in a way, that we start picking and choosing the commands that we really want to obey. Eh? Or there are some phrases, some verses that we read, and then uh, we just skip that part because, oh, <laughs> there we go again. You know, I've heard this before. Let's move on, right? Or there are times when we go, oh, we'll pick and choose these ones because, okay, God, those commands are doable. These commands I don't know touchy because I know that I'm wrong in this, and I don't want to correct that because that's too hard to correct, so I'll just correct those, right? You, you follow? Or how about just stories, like things that we just skip or like skip? Because sometimes I get this comment when I preach, and some, of, uh, some people come up to me, some of you also, and they go, oh, I never knew that. I read this so many times, like 20 times, and, finally, and then I never knew that. And then they're like, I keep on skipping it over. That type of times? Semantic satiation. How many of uh, think that you think that the Israelites also have semantic satiation? They keep on rolling the scrolls every single week, almost every day, because they are told to. The Levites continue to sing those songs, continue to sing the songs, and continue to run through all the, the drills of the regulations and the laws and do nots and do nots and do nots. And then we're like uh, here today, we're like, <sighs> right? Like yawning and then going, oh, here we go again, Mr. Like so-and-so, uh, like, you know, yeah, like, oh, no, it's Mr. Longwinded. Here we go again. Or, you know, that type of thing. Or Mr. Yelled his head off type of too much. You know? And then we just sit there going, oh, is he going to talk about how bad young people are again? You know, like, you know, it's like that type of thing. And then we become satiated and ignore, actually, the very word of God. That we become so satiated that we, that we are ignoring the word of God. Hence, I believe that's why there's prophets. Prophets are there during the rest of our week who come up to us and say, is that what God really wants you to do? That simple. Prophets would be people 
who we may not like to hear sometimes, and come up to you and say, is that God, what God really wants you to do? Is he, would he be pleased? Because that's what prophets have been doing ever since the dawn of time when they started. Like if you read all the prophets, what have they been doing? Is that what really God wants you to do? Because this is what's going to happen if you continue doing it. To get them out of that semantic satiation. Because a lot of times when we look at the prophets in the Old Testament, what was their job mainly? It was just to give a good kick in the butt of the Israelites. To say, wake up! Yeah, you're doing those drills. Yes, you're doing those rituals. Yes, you're doing the liturgy. Yes, you continue to read the commands. But are you really obeying them? Right? Are you really obeying them? Are you really listening to the word of God? Are you definitely living as children of God? Because I don't think so. Right? You're definitely not. You're sleeping together before marriage. You're not doing it. You're, you're cheating, on, cheating on your money. You're definitely not doing it. This is died. So if you think about it, See, I, I even convicted the mic. <laughs> so uh, now, he, like, this mic has just realized, oh man, I've listened to him so much. Now he's convicted me and I'm shutting down. All right. Semantic satiation. He's, he, this mic just got satiated. All right. I just turned that into a verb. All right. So, so the Levites, they have a job to do. It's in the church to bring people into the presence of God. But the prophet is more about the day-to-day. The prophet is very engaged in the everyday, and that's why they are such a bugger. That's why people wanted to kill them, because they are always in their face, always there to tell them, like, uh, like while you're working, they go, hi, how are you doing? Like, are you living a godly life? Click, right? Like, it's like, oh, right? That type of thing. How would you like to be that Israelite, right? So who else did that in the New Testament? Jesus. He didn't say in the church. He never did. What he did was he went into the faces of people in reality, in real time. And that's why people didn't like him, especially those he convicted. His words convicted people. And so he too was a prophet, a messenger. And that's why people said, he's a prophet like Elijah. That's why. Prophets are there day in, day out, engaged in our day to day. So, let's move, move on. Now, we have a little section that's missing, right? It's the middle portion, then. And let's go on to the middle portion. Chapter 18, verse 9 to 14. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination, Divination, or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft. By the way, somebody named their son Omen. I don't know why. Um, or cast, I just, I just had to laugh at that. I, I, sorry for my laughter. It's just, I just, some, my friend of mine just told me yesterday that one of his friends named his son Omen. I'm like, Hi. Okay, or cast spells, or is a medium or spiritist who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations will dispossess, listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. See, wow, this passage has, has a lot of sacrifice children, right? Divination, 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 sorcery, omens, witchcraft, cast spells, ancestral worship. What do all these things have in common? The purpose. 
the purpose of these things. And what purpose is that? It's humans' tendency to think that we can control our future. Right? Think about it. Like, why do people uh, buy sun? Right? Why do people light candles and incense uh, in their business before they open their business up? Uh, Brian, I'm sure you encounter many of those. Why do people pray to their ancestors? Why do people arrange their furniture in a certain way, like Pastor Fritz once, uh, like was talking about? Why would people in, like, uh, arrange their furniture? Why would people be so worried about their astrological sign, especially when they're dating with somebody? Are you a Gemini? Spart Spartacus? You know, like, Spartacus, like, uh, like I don't, there's no such thing as Spartacus, sorry. <laughs> That's how much I treat astrology, like junk, okay? So why do we want to do that? It's because we think that we can control our future. We want to see if we can entice them. Now, we as Christians do the same, have a tendency to do the same too. What do we do sometimes? We do on a crowdsource for prayers, right? We crowdsource prayers. Okay, so then what we, we post it on our Facebook page, hope to God that there will be 400 people praying for us because if 400 people pray for this particular thing, it will happen. God will make it happen because, hey, God, 400 people pray for this. And then God would say, no, you need a million. No, <laughs> you know, like... Do we think that way? Do we think that we can control God's mind and change his mind? When we know in the fact that maybe we've just been living a sinful life and God is saying, no, live faithfully and I will bless you. Don't live faithfully, I will not. Right? This, per, this passage here, yes, it has a lot about the, the ornaments thing, but it has one theme here that, that underlines everything. Why do we not listen to our prophets? Why do we sometimes have semantic satiation? Uh, during a, uh, when Levitical, like our messengers, like our worship leaders or our elders and deacons speak to us. Why do we ignore our prophets? Why do we ignore uh, the Levites, uh, those messengers? It's because maybe, just maybe, we have a tendency to want to control our destiny. Maybe it's because we want to control where we're headed. And we want to just be God instead of allowing God to be God. You follow? That sometimes like when we go, no God, I really want this girl. Or I really want this guy. I really want to get married. Or I really want to like to have this place. And I really want this job. That sometimes we just totally ignore the priests up here and the prophets up there. That's what the passage is. Why it's in the middle in 9 to 14. It's because the God through Moses is warning us, yes, I'm giving you these messengers, but they do no good if you do not put your trust in me, if I am not the head, if I am not your master. And so let's just sum it all up. How about today then? I already alluded to some of the contemporary examples of today about how you know, the, uh, the Levites could be your worship leaders who are leading songs because the spirit moved them to choose these songs to speak to you, uh, what God wants to speak to you through song. I could be your, your Levitical priest as well to deliver God's word, like I just did. And so that could be your messenger. How about prophets? Now, I have some prophets in my lifetime, and I still do. I have mentors who are willing to come up to me right in my face and say, John, is that really what God wants you to do? Just really that hard conversation. That really hard conversation of saying that hard question, like Darcy, uh, you all know Darcy, Darcy Rimmer. He led our uh, retreat. He would actually, every time, whenever we meet, he would say, God, is, like, John, is that what God really wants you to do? 
or Pastor Don. I don't know if you know Don. He would actually give me the other questions, even further deeper. And, so, and then at the end, he would say, have you lied to me? And I'm like, how can I lie to an older spiritual man like you? You probably could read my thoughts right now. Right? Like, that type of thing. It's scary, right? Like, uh, I still remember my professor at Regent College, Doug, uh, Don Lewis. And you know, one time I asked him, that, like, he just suddenly felt impelled to pray for me. And he grabbed my head, and he put his forehead on top uh, on his forehead, and I'm like freaking out. <laughs> because is he reading my mind? <laughs> like, is he like absorbing my evil spirits or something and putting his spirit on me? You know, it's just this whole Chinese mentality, right? It's like, you're invading my space, <laughs> you're my physical space. And so I'm like, like, I see him as a prophet too. I see him convicting me of my sin, and I just went, <laughs> let's repent it. <laughs> you know, everything, right? It's like as if I had verbal diarrhea at that time. Like, how do you have that then? Or have we been so satiated, semantically satiated, have we become so uh, calloused that we ignore the prophets that God has given us? That we ignore the Levites that are leading up here? of trying to bring you to his presence, to God's presence. See, one of the biggest, I, I, I listed your pastor, your friend, your parents, the ultimate, actually, messenger is actually this, the word of God. Why do I say that? Remember when I said right in the beginning that the messenger represents God? What verse in the Bible in the New Testament says something like that? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. And that he was in the beginning. This word, our Bibles, if we continue to let the Bible just be treated as a doorstop, or be a support for your coffee table, or just be left in the corner somewhere, and never read, then in fact, we are doing exactly what Leonidas is doing, kicking the messenger into the pit. Because if we continue to ignore what he says and just do Bible study and just say, oh, let's get on with it and answer those questions and answer the last part, if we continue to not really delve into and devote ourselves to listening to what the word is trying to tell us and not ignore, especially some of the commands that we don't like, then maybe we are kicking God into the pit and say, God, I don't need you. I'll call you when I do. Treating him like a jacket. See, God provides us with messengers of Levites and prophets, yes, in our day. Sunday, Levite, prophets during the week. Mentors, pastors, friends, family. They will ask us, is God, is what you're doing what pleases God? That tough question. We should never ignore those things. However, I also encourage all of us to continue to read God's word on a daily basis. But not just read it. I want to suggest you something. Before you read it, Pray that God will give you an image, image of something that he wants you to pray for or pray towards or pray or just face against. An image. It could be, and you won't be amazed at what images he would put in your mind. Then read. Then see how what you read applies to that image. Apply to what God has impressed in your heart. It could be a person. It could be a thing. It could be a your studies, it could be your job, it could be somebody at work, it could be anything. That image, um, I, we have a common friend, he, he one time said that image was like a bleeding tree. What? Well, something's about that. 
right? That's prophetic. So read the Bible, start reading until God speaks to you there. Because if we continue to ignore God's word, the ultimate messenger, then we are actually rejecting God. Okay, let's pray.